This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! Welcome to Dunks and Discourse, episode 42, or the Big Game James edition. Y'all knew I was going to have to go with that one for that. You know, the, it, Regardless of what your favorite 42 is, that's mine. Uh, I'm Jabari Davis, as usual, and with Josh out for this particular episode, this, I've got a very special guest for you guys today. I brought my man Josiah Johnson of Yahoo's Dunk Bait. Uh, he's previously a creator of Comedy Central's, uh, excuse me, Legends of Chamberlain Heights. Uh, you can also find him absolutely destroying Twitter pretty much morning, noon, and night. And I'm not joking when I say that. You know, this man has a perfectly crafted response for every single thing that takes place. I don't know how you do that, but thank you for joining Dunks and Discourse today, Josiah. Appreciate you for having me. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction and, and happy to be back on here with you. Oh no! Without a doubt, without a doubt. Actually, no. The last time we caught up, it was it was on the it was on the old show. This is the first time we've had you. On, I've had you on Dunstan Discourse. So I'm okay. Well, oh my bad. Well, hey, you, got, you know you got shows on shows. My fault. My fault. Appreciate it. <laughs> no, no, no. You know how it goes. You know how it goes. Uh, and speaking of which, congratulations on your show. Uh, it, 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 uh, before we even get into the action, do you have anything else that's in the works or anything that you want to discuss? Uh, yeah. So I got I me mean, d- doing the show with Yahoo Sports Dunk Bay Loving now. I think we've done probably, probably close to forty episodes now. But working with Jethro Jenkins is. Zach Schwartz is a, is a blessing in the team over at Yahoo Sports, but uh, just finished up uh, working on a project with Ava DuVernay and, and Michael Starberry and Colin Kaepernick for Netflix on, on, on Cap's Life. So, you know, got a lot of stuff working, developing shows, always got some other things in the mix on the social side. Just, you know, try to stay busy, man. Always try to be working. Man, if there is ever such a thing as a content creator, this man is a content creator. I'm looking forward to that Netflix situation. Has that already dropped, or is that is, is do you have a release on that? Uh, so we were in uh, production, you know. Then obviously the Rona hit, so we're kind of you know figuring all that stuff out, but not sure right now when it's going to drop. But you know, it'll it'll be coming soon. Okay, okay. Well, we definitely, like I said, I de- we definitely appreciate you joining this week, and, you know, especially with everything that's going on, everything that you've got going on. So let's go ahead and jump right into this thing. Um, because I do want to get into as much as possible with you. Um, let's quickly go ahead and talk about the big coaching news that broke at some point. I think it was on Thursday uh, when it was announced that Steve Nash was in the process of, a process of agreeing the terms to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And while it does come as a bit of a surprise, given the suddenness of it, uh, you know, of the news at least, uh, it, of course, it's not the first time an all-time great point guard, uh, you know, regardless of where you where you have him ranked. Uh, but specifically, you know, point guard greats. It's not the first time that they've just emerged as a first-time coach. So I'm interested in what your initial reaction to that news was, and what you thought of sort of like NBA Twitter's reaction because I'm sure you saw some of that. I mean, look, you know, from from the Joe comedy side, you know, I had to get the shots off, obviously, and kind of just, you know, <laughs> you know, I think it was a little unexpected across the board. I think, uh, you know, some people had alluded to it, but kind of shot the rumors down in, in the previous week so 
I think more from from my standpoint was just looking at all those kind of other coaches and people that are available. I mean, you got Ty Lu, who's literally you know a, a world championship winning head coach that's still like you know on a bench as an assistant. And very well, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but, you know, the Clippers, you know, they very well maybe win a ring this year if, you know, LeBron doesn't pull it out. But so, you, I mean, you just have these type of situations where it feels like other coaches that have been in the league that kind of paid their dues are getting slighted and just getting passed over for guys that – and I think I made the point on Dunk Bay when it first dropped that I respect Steve Nash, obviously MVP, point guard, Cerebral, understands the game, been working and consulting with the Golden State Warriors through their, you know, amazing run. So I understand, you know, obviously the move, but, you know, being a head coach in the NBA is a whole different world. And, and Steve really has been a consultant. He hasn't really been, you know, full-fledged committed to it. So is he going to be ready and capable of doing that? I think when you look at other examples like Jason Kidd, I believe he was like a year removed from playing mm-hmm. right when he got the you know, the head coaching job. So it's a little bit different, you know, as, as a player making that move. You're more familiar with the infrastructure, how things move nowadays, the whole analytics side of it. And, you know, it's one thing to be a consultant kind of just, you know, dealing with that lightly and kind of dealing with that on your own terms versus now being a head coach for the next four years, at least with, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. But I think he's been put in a great position with uh, KD and Kyrie and that whole squad they got over there, Dinwiddie and that whole crew. So I'm, I'm excited to see what goes on over there. I think he's going to have a lot of pressure out the gate. Obviously, New York sports, there's a lot of pressure, not always a lot of result in that, you know what I mean? But... You know, he's going to have it from from the jump. They're going to be on him. And obviously, New Yorkers don't care. They don't they don't bite their tongue. They'll go at anybody. So I'm here to see what, what breaks down. All right. So here, so here, here's the main thing, and and we all we all see this coming. What happens? All right. What happens if Kyrie does play well, and then what happens if Kyrie doesn't play well? Well, I mean, look, I think you know Kyrie has shown like you know the situation calls for. He, he has no problem dipping and do whatever he needs to do and kind of <laughs> making. I'm just saying, business is business. Negocios es negocios. So, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, like you know, it, it's going to be it's tough with any of those situations. Obviously, on paper, you think uh, KD and Kyrie are going to work out great, right? They're they're two guys that you know play well with the ball. Kyrie obviously is a you know a scoring force, a score first type of point guard. But you know, Kevin kind of just with his game and the rate of stuff he can do, they really work well with each other, spreading defenses out, creating a lot of opportunities for each other. But that's always what it looks like on paper. Now when guys get there, you start playing games, the things start happening, you got other dudes on the team. There's always, you know, it could go either way. But I think when you look at what this squad's coming back with and what they were able to do this year, what Jock Vaughn had him doing you know, in the bubble in the season. I mean, it's, you know, there, there's reason to be, if I'm a Nets fan, I would be excited. Brooklyn stand up, you know, really, really kind of, you know, get excited for this moment. And I think Steve Nash is a big hire. He's definitely going to reinvigorate the fan base. And I think his style of play and his mentorship, you know, under D'Antoni and people like that, I think there's a good, you know, th- this team's going to move. They're going to try to score a lot of points. And uh, I think as a player, you always want to be in a situation like that. No, without a doubt, and, and I, you know, just to echo some of your points about you know the Nash hire. Obviously, it you know while there is a precedence, uh, th- this is a risky situation, uh, given the fact that the it, it was reportedly signed off on, or at least uh, you know something that KD was in favor of. I you know I completely understand them going this direction. Uh, I think the report was that they that uh, part of his stipulation of, of taking the position was that they retained Jacques Vaughn, and I'm actually happy to see that, even though hey, look, it does kind of suck. <laughs> you know, finally Jacques Vaughn gets a good opportunity or, or gets an opportunity you know whether it you know was necessarily a, a great opportunity or not uh you know does well so eventually i would like to see him get you know get this opportunity but you know look uh like you i think they have all types of reasons to be optimistic there look it's, it's as simple as this if kb if kd comes back healthy they're going to be in the mix 
If he's not, well then, hey, look, we're gonna have all types of fun talking about all the different, all of the different reasons why things went wrong there. <laughs> all right. So either way, either way, we will have something to talk about, and that's the great thing about working in sports entertainment. That's what it is. That's what it is. All right. So let's go ahead and keep it pushing to the. You know, let's go ahead and transition to some of the bubble action. All right, man. We got the Heat leading the Bucks three nothing, and I want to be fair to Miami and give them all the props they deserve because that squad is playing a hell of a series. And look. <laughs> They're actually 7-0 this postseason at the time of this recording. I went into this series. I'm not going to lie about this. I went into this series thinking that, you know, they had a puncher's chance, but the Bucks would probably, you know, find a way or finally, you know, you know, kind of look the way that they looked, you know, prior to this quarantine. They simply don't have it, man. What 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 are you seeing from this? Is it, Are you seeing anything different other than the fact that it looks as – and I'm not – I don't want to take anything away from Giannis, but it is essentially the same flaws in his game are being exposed that we've seen the, la- the, the last couple years. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of Giannis. Obviously, my pops works for the Bucks, and I got mm-hmm. tons of love for the city of Milwaukee. I'm a Lakers fan first, and based on just slander guidelines and, and rules and protocols, <laughs> slander is slander. Obviously, Lakers lose, I got to slander them. It hurts. It hurts my heart. Same same with Giannis. I think you're looking at a guy who's you know, a back-to-back MVP, defensive player of the year. You, you basically, with those accolades, you need to be that dude that can do whatever. Obviously, you know, I think after game one, I believe, you know, he, he didn't guard Jimmy and he kind of – I don't know if he was taking a shot at Bud in, in that post game as I've kind of watched it now, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of it seems like at first it was like you know he was trying to deflect blame, but it seemed like he was kind of taking a little shot at him. Like I do what the coach says for me when a player says that, that may you know mean that he was like y'all want to guard the dude, and then they were like nah. So I don't, I don't if you have a defensive player of the year, I know you know that's not necessarily his position to guard, but you got to lock up and you you know seven feet tall with that wingspan, you should be able to put your team in a position to win. And I think a lot of people try to make the point that the Giannis is like a Pippen type. And, and I always find that to be extremely disrespectful to Scottie Pippen because he was that dude. I don't know what the confusion is. I think everybody kind of looks at Mike. But, you know, they, they didn't win without each other. So whatever we want to say about what Mike could do this, that, and the third, like Scottie almost took that team to the finals the next, you know, the next season. So it's not like, you know, without Mike. So it's not like that. But, you know, when you look at, at what Giannis, it's just tough, man. I think, you know, it's tough for me to see them down through. I don't – you know, I'm, I'm of the belief that the bubble is crazy. 2020 is wild. I don't think the series is over as crazy as that sounds. Really? I don't think it is. But I do think what you've seen from this squad is it doesn't look like they want to be there, man. I think ever since, the you know, the boycott and kind of all the fallout from that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it, we're looking at a different squad. And it looks like they haven't really been getting favorable calls. And it just doesn't look like the, the game was on their side. But you would expect a lot more, obviously, from a squad that was in the, you know, 67-69 win range if we would have played the full 82-game season, you know. On paper, you know, looking at one that's supposed to was supposed to be one of the greatest teams of all time, but just not delivering it. I think you just kind of see their weakness. And shout out to the Heat, man, Eric Spolstra. I think you know when you look at teams that LeBron has left for the most part, those teams crap out, and you know they're going to be in the lottery for a long time. But to see what Spol's been able to do with that squad and rebound and recover and just find the most out of guys and work with what he has, man, I think you got to give them a lot of credit. But for the Bucks on their side, it's just like I really don't know, man. I don't know if the squad just doesn't want to be there, if, if the bubbles just gotten to them you know, what, what the situation is, but they don't look like, you know, the team that we saw all season. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the really the most puzzling part. And I'm glad that you gave the props to Miami and, and, and at the end of this I'm gonna wrap you'll know, wrap with another question about them. But let's keep it here really quickly. What happens with Coach Bud if and when they eventually lose this series? I know that you you know, I know that you you, know, you got faith. You, you say it's not over. I do I do understand that the bubble has presented completely different you know, circumstances. So you're right. It's technically not over. But do you think he spares his gig with at least a win or two in this series? Or or are we all crazy, th- those of us that are saying, like, hey, yo, he's probably going to be out of here? 
Look, I, I love Coach Bud. I love what he's been able to do for the city and, and bringing back. But I think we've seen the situation in Atlanta before. Kind of, you know, you know, sixty-two or twenty, I believe that season, mm-hmm. get smacked by LeBron. You know, get get swept, which I think you know you can't hold against it. I think you've seen it with Dwayne Casey when he was with the Raptors. You know, obviously, great season, get get smacked by LeBron, get swept. You know, ends up getting booted. But but it seems like it's always been, been able to get a better job, been finessing and kind of going up the other way. So. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I honestly, I, you know, I got a ton of respect for what he's done. I don't think, it, you know, you, you you make that move. It really is up to the kind of the players at this point to take a look in the mirror and really what Giannis wants. But I think him and Giannis have a great relationship. He's been able to really revitalize that team, revitalize that city. So I'm not really with all the, the people calling for his head right now. But I understand the nature of the game. Like everything nowadays is predicated on results. And what, what can you do for me? You can't, you know, I know bubble and all that situation. When you got to get a, a little bit of a pass for that. But you got to win a game or two against the Heat. And like I said, I don't truly believe that this thing is over. I think, you know, it's unprecedented. I get it. But it's also unprecedented to play in a bubble. I went with like 139-0, and 0, teams that are down 3-0, whatever. But we're also in a bubble. So this is the first time. So everything that we've ever seen previously, we got to throw out the window and really adjust to what's going on now. All I'm saying is if Nate McMillan didn't get the benefit of the doubt from the bubble, even after, you know, just a couple weeks prior <laughs> being re-upped, I, you know, what? You're, yeah. you're, you're right. Sometimes things work out differently for certain coaches, and we, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. Now, look, I I hate that this is going to be a topic of conversation for Bucks fans, specifically for Bucks fans. But now that it's actually a legitimate conversation with the, pre, the, with the potential free agency looming next summer. We've seen the way these things have played out many times before. I want to stay officially. I want Giannis to stay you know, stay in Milwaukee. I want them to be successful there. But do you, I, you know, okay, so I'm going to ask you to throw on, let's just call it your Brooks Brothers GM suit for one second. I don't know why I put you in Brooks Brothers, but that's what you got on today. I, I mean, that's what, hey, look, I, I used to get a lot of fish from Brooks Brothers in my suit wearing days in, in my, hey, my younger years, but I feel it. There it is. All right, so do you explore the idea of moving Giannis this offseason if you can't get him to commit early? Which, for the record, if I were him, admittedly, I probably would want to keep my flexibility and, and, and wait, you know, wait until I absolutely had to. I mean, I look, I think – you know, whenever you have, it's tough, man. It's, it's a business, right? So, you know, I'm always for the players and kind of what they want to do. I, I think, you mm-hmm. know, Giannis will do the right thing and make sure that the Bucks just aren't, you know, shorthanded. Now, whatever leverage they may have, you know, that'll be depending on, you know, if he if he says I want out or whatever it may be. So, I think, you know, it, it's a tough game, man. And, I, you know, for me, not having that assurance, I would I would have to, to ride with Giannis. I think everything he's told me, you know, as, as a, if I'm being the Bucks GM or putting myself in the hat, mm-hmm. everything he's shown me is that he, he really loves the city. I think, you know, they've done a lot to cater to him and really make it his team and his town. But now it becomes a thing where if they can't really make no moves this offseason to get something fortified, they really got to kind of make a splash at this point and get somebody where it's like, okay, Get that score, you know, like that Brad Bill or somebody, you know, somebody along that line, that type that's now is like, look, we've got this squad, but now we've got this this this, this score, this guy who can close, who can get buckets in, in crunch time, that now Giannis doesn't have to feel like he needs to be that guy. Look, we're asking a seven foot dude, you know, everybody can't be K D. You know, what I mean mm-hmm. K D K D is K D for a reason. I think, you know, he spoiled us into thinking that, you know, all these dudes can can do that type. And that's not, you know, necessarily Giannis's game is jumping right now, needs some work. I think I made the point. Before, like he shoots, like it looks like he just finished lifting weights, which any hooper can tell you. <laughs> that jello jumper is one of you know that. But trying to figure out how to get your jumper back, 
And it's what it looks like. And, and I, don't, I don't knock Giannis. I love his game. But it's like, you know, when he shoots them threes, it's like, ugh. Bro, hey, honest to God, it does. And I saw I saw that on the timeline, by the way, is at King Josiah 54 Incredible follow. I saw that on the timeline, and I started cracking up because I knew exactly what you meant because that's exactly what it looks like. You know that, that exact feeling when you're still, you're still trying to stretch it out and you just put up that shot put, that you know, Eric Gordon-style shot? That's that's exactly what Giannis' shot looks like, except for it's, in, it's a slingshot from a seven footer. It's it's wild, man. But you know, I think and I think it's crazy because we saw earlier in the season. I specifically remember a Lakers game early in the season. I think he had knocked a couple threes down, mm-hmm. and it was like, uh oh. Everybody was like, ooh ooh. You know, he's got he's got he's got some new stuff in his bag. And, but really, it was just I think they were overhyping it to slander LeBron, which tends to be the yes. case online. And now we're seeing like we're you know I think at one point in the game uh, yesterday he was like zero for six from from three. I think it was just kind of like you know I don't know where he finished, but. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's still a work in progress, very it's, clearly. <laughs> get, it, get in the lab, get it right, because if he adds that to his game, then yes, then I think he's pretty much unstoppable. But I would I was saying that this year and mm-hmm. definitely w- was nervous and concerned as a Laker fan. I know Clippers fans were too, seeing that in the finals. But like they say, you got to get there to get there. So yeah, you can't can't you can't dance to the music if you don't go to the party. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, all right. So wrapping this series with a question about Miami moving forward, how do you think they match up against either the Celtics or the Raptors if they wind up coming? You know, if the Raptors were to you know wind up coming back, because I actually think Miami can cause problems for either one of those teams, especially Toronto. Like, like great coaching. You got you know a killer star player who rises to the moment. Rest of the squad is stepping up. I think the Heat, you know, especially in the Eastern Conference, it's not like you know the Bucks were that team in the East that really stood out to everybody. Like, yo, nobody wants this fade. You know, I want to duck this fade for as long <laughs> as possible. And the Heat really just stepped up and, and, and treated them like Debo got brick to the dome, just you know, and you know. But hey, you know that, 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 that's what it is. And you know, so if they go on to win this series, I think definitely. I don't think they're they're really sweating either squad, but. You know, going up against a juggernaut like Brad Stevens and just his mental and even, you know, I know the Taco Fall, you know, situation, whatever, at the the end of the game. But, look, that was just, you know, a wild play. A wild play is a wild play. But, so, you know, they're they're on the same on that side. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's going to be enjoyable, exciting. I just don't know how much longer Jimmy can go for. But I've constantly said that this bubble has – everybody's like, oh, it's like summer league. I'm like, no, this is like pickup games at UCLA Mm -hmm. in the summertime type feel and if you go to those pickup games even a dude like myself can go on a heater and hit five six seven straight jumpers you know what i'm saying you just feel it's less pressure less stress i, I know the family's being there and now you got your booze and your kids staring at you i'm sure it's adding a little bit just because of the, how awkward it is but he's delivering man he's stepping up so hey anything's possible with this squad yeah absolute non-stop and all you know all props to you know everybody on the squad but you know Jimmy is that guy, and you know what? I'm just gonna make this you know this quick point before we uh, switch it over. I made the point on the timeline. I've made the point on other shows, and I'm just gonna say it straight up. If you can't play with Jimmy Butler, that's a you problem, not a Jimmy Butler problem. I recognize that you know he's taken some hits, you know, like in in the public uh, over these last couple years, and it's and it actually, you know, I, I was one of those folks who was like, well, hey, maybe there's something to it. If everywhere he goes, you know, there's an issue, then you know maybe you know maybe the problem you know lies within. But the truth of the matter is, that's a dog. That's an absolute dog, and you know, and I don't care. Uh, like the Miami's not my team, but I would take him on my squad at any point, at any time. Yeah, for sure. I think, like you, to your point, you know, some dudes, and it's tough. They have, I feel like he has that MJ mentality, and everybody, you know, who saw the last dance, you realize what MJ was about, and it's not. I'm trying to win at all costs. I don't care about your feelings, mm-hmm. about whatever you have going on. Like we're trying to get this dub. And, you know, some guys can play with that, and it's not, you know, as you've seen, that's not every style of leadership is the same, but – 
That's one that is effective in getting the job done, in my experience watching basketball. Same deal. All right, so taking it to the Raptors and Celtics quickly, I, and I got to be honest, you know, I don't have a dog in this fight. Uh, I'm glad the Raptors were able to pull off that game three win. You know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lay on Brad Stevens about, you know, about you know the Taco Fall situation like I saw on the timeline, but I will say I do agree with the great Bomani Jones when I say that zone is for cowards. No disrespect to you know no disrespect. I know I know you're a hooper and I know that yo y'all 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 probably played some y'all probably played some zone you know over the course of your over the course of your playing time. But I, I, yeah, that's all I'll say is I don't understand you know why you switch to it in, in that situation. Yeah, I mean I don't know you know you leave OG wide open you know I, 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 honestly I, when when Taco Fall was put in I respected and understood the move but as somebody on the internet pointed out like they've got like a couple extra more feet of space now you know what I'm saying in in that bubble. So you could even see uh, Kyle Lowry when he took the ball out, just how far away he was from him. Mm-hmm. So perspective-wise, it looked like, yo, Taco Fall is huge, but he still had a kind of vision of what was going on. And shout-out to Nick Nurse for the play call and just, oh, you yeah. know, the adjustment. And, and yo, stepping up and making the shot. But, you know, you see those things in basketball, and it's a tough situation because now that very well could cost him the series. Like, you know, that that you go up 3-0, you're feeling good, you're feeling like, you know, even if they, you know, you trick off a game or two, you still can are going to win easy in six if, if you know, the worst situation happens. Now it's like, uh, yeah, 2-1, this is pretty much a series again because it's not really any home court advantage or anything. Really, it's just, mm. you know, we're playing this four-game stretch, you know, and, who, and what are the records going to be after these four games? And then we'll have three left and see what's cracking. Like, it's, it's just, you know, you break it down. It's not like you're getting that. They're playing every other day, so right now they're just in a routine. But you don't have that home court advantage. The same people at every single game. Yeah, the court looks different, but, you know, the hoops are the same. So it don't really, it don't really make a difference. You know, okay, so what? What's your gut tell you? How, how does this come out? Because I'm going to be honest with you, you know, while I you know respect the hell out of the fight that the, you know that the Raptors continue to give, and I think and they're obviously not going to go down easy. I think the Celtics right the ship and 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 you know take that game four and you know kind of put the you know put the pressure to their necks a little bit again. Uh, I, I have the Celtics winning this in six, but you know what do you have coming out? I'm, I'm a big fan of chaos right now and anarchy. Like, you know, I was rooting, I was rooting for the Lakers-Bucks final, but whatever happens, happens. Y'all, I'm a real-time all-conditions dude, so I'm ready to slander whatever, whenever. It could be LeBron. It could be Giannis. It could just be what it is. But uh, I think losing that game, I'm curious to see how the Celtics respond. Obviously, they're pros, but that range of emotions in that, you know, two- to three-minute window where you got Kemba just going ham on the bench, them feeling like, yo, we got this wrapped up, point five on the clock, like, you know – Still a little time, but just that feeling to now, ooh, three to the dome in like the most obscene way possible. It's, you know, as a hooper, those emotion shifts, like there's just not, you know, and especially having to see these guys walking around the bubble, whatever it may be now, families, whatever. I'm curious to see because I can see them easily dropping the next two and then, you know, having to bounce back and being down three, two and now having to try to figure it out. You know, you just see the way that these things go and those type of games and those moments generally, you know, you know, they prove disastrous for the team that's on the wrong side of them. But, you know, Brad Stevens, like I said, this squad is pro. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for game four. So I'm always one for the chaos as well. So let me just ask for a quick portrait. What does a Raptors, you know, shock the world scenario look like in in this series? In terms of just uh, coming. I mean, look, it's not even a shock the world thing at this point. It's 2-1. I'm saying if it was 3-0, you know, that's what the Bucks are in right now. And, and, Mm -hmm. And sadly, if, if, if they run off the next four, it's not shock the world. It's just safe face. Like, you know, it's not, you know, you're just trying to save yourself from embarrassment at that point. But uh, I think the Raptors, honestly, just, just get it together. I think this squad has shown, you know, without Kawhi. I mean, look, 
you know, I don't think anybody, even with with Kawhi last year, thought that they would be holding up the, the you know the finals trophy, except people from Toronto, Drake, and maybe like a couple thousand people in Toronto. But for <laughs> for the most part, I even think people from Toronto thought that. But you know, anything's possible. This team, they understand how to win championships. They understand they already have that confidence and that mental edge, and they've seen this year that they don't need Kawhi to perform at a high level in the East. So. You know, I'm, I'm, it's gonna be it's gonna be a real fight, and, and I, I think we're gonna find a lot. Of game four, I'd say whoever wins game four is gonna win the series. Now that, that'll be my prediction. Oh, I like it. I like that. Okay, okay, I'm right there with you. I'd like to, you know, like like you, I'd like to see the Raptors go ahead and get this next one and at least make things interesting. So we'll see how that series goes. All right. Yeah. So before we swing it out west for Lakers and Rockets and Clippers and Nuggets, here's a quick word from our sponsors. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app at in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back within the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we're back here on Dunks and Discourse. Still here with Josiah Johnson, a.k.a. once again at KingJosiah54 on Twitter, and I'm excited about this conversation. It's excited to bring it out west, just as excited as I am for the young scoring guards that the West has in particular right now. I know that you know, I, I'm going to you know, just backtrack a little bit, but you know, but it'll tie together. Luca, small forward, or whatever you want to call him, you know, whatever you want to consider him, for honestly, he's just a little bit something different right now. I want to get your opinion on ranking these three, you know, these three guys. Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, and Jamal Murray heading into next season because what what we saw out of, you know, what we've seen from all three of them obviously we we, had, we didn't get to see the extended version from Devin Booker and that's unfortunate but what we've seen from both all three of them in the bubble has been absolutely impressive. Yeah, man, I think and this is this is wild because I'm probably gonna have to roll with D Book, but just from the standpoint of he's asked to do a lot, you know, mm-hmm. with that squad and, and have that. But I think if he had a team around him that was you know getting buckets and offensively could help carry the load, it's really just gonna help him out. He's not going to put exerting as much energy into doing that. His bucket game is going to be a lot more efficient, you know, kind of like a not not you know not to compare the two, but like a Steph Steph and Golden State or whatever it may be. Like when you know you don't have to fucking go hard on both sides, and you got that reassurance that mm-hmm. you can focus on that offense and real bucket getting, and not with the pressure. Like you know, Steph knows he's got Clay. He knows that at points he's had KD and guys that can help shoulder that low. Where D Book really doesn't have that. But I, that's not to knock uh, Spider or Jamal Murray because what, what both of them are doing. 
in this bubble is incredible. I think the way that they're going at each other, for me, it's like, you know, I think, you know, we saw a period in like the the, the early 90s and early 2000s, which is just a nasty kind of brand of basketball. If you like scoring and, and high-flying action, if you like more of that ABA style mm-hmm. that I didn't get to see as a kid, but I got to see all the scores that were, that were ran up and all, all the, the, the numbers these dudes were averaging. <laughs> so I think, you know, this is obviously more just an offensive moment. Like the defense is still there, but the offense has advanced so much that these dudes can just get buckets and are so versatile. But I have to go with D-Book over those two just from that standpoint. I, I need to see what D-Book can do actually on, on a winning squad that has a winning ownership, that has a mentality of like, yo, we want to do this. And that's not to say that the Suns aren't, you know, the Suns were literally right on, on the door of the playoffs this year and showed a lot under Monty Williams. So I think that squad, you know, they need one one more piece, maybe two more pieces, and then, you know, they could be that team that really everybody's afraid of. But I want, you know, just for Book, I think he's, he's a warrior. I'm good friends with Earl Watson. Me and him, Earl played together at UCLA. Earl mm-hmm. coached. Earl coached him with the Suns and just, you know, I've never seen Earl really talk as highly about a player as he does, you know, Devin Booker. And even getting to the 70-point game in Boston literally was like, you know, Earl's willing to fight, <laughs> willing to fight coaches and whatever, get it in. But he wanted D-Book to get that confidence and know that he could do things like that. Nothing, even if in a, a loss or whatever it may be, that down the road when you're in these situations, you can do it. So I'm rolling with D-Book, but that, that's just me. I would love to see him on the Lakers, obviously, but mm-hmm. a man can dream. Hey, you know what's funny is you took it where I was going to eventually wind up. The truth of the matter is all three of those guys are great. You know, one thing's for sure, the league is in, you know, really in good hands but you're moving forward. Uh, you know, because to be honest with you, while I'm not one of those folks that, you know, it says like, oh, hey, the league back in the day sucked and now it's great. I will say I don't remember a time when we had more collective talent. I think people a lot of days, and you get in these analytic debates with cats, and they always kind of look at the numbers without taking a deeper dive. Like, mm-hmm. you know, offensive guys in the past could definitely do work in, in, the, in this in this time, but there weren't as many of those guys to be able to do it, right? That's why the pace dictated, mm-hmm. you know, bigs back in those days were more, and this was all stuff that was instilled for them in coaching that really had to get broken with these anomalies like a Kevin Durant. Like, there was a time when, like, you know, a KD would, would be out the wing shooting threes. He'd get cussed out. Like, yeah. what? What are you thinking? What are you like, doing? <laughs> yeah, go get in the post. Like, you're big. That, you know, but I think, you know, on that one side, analytics has shown, like, more threes, you know, up in the pace, you can get more more points out of it. And, and obviously, the game is who scores more. It's not a, you know, they say defense wins championships, but I've never seen a game one zero zero. So, <laughs> you, I'm, you know, so at the end of the day, you got to get a bucket. And, and so, you know, basically – with the way the game is structured now, but I think pacing what these dudes are doing, people kind of knock it like a hard and averaging 37, 38. Like, oh, he's just, you know, it's because the game's faster. It's like, yeah, but he's still got to put those. Yeah, he's doing it, though. He has to do that still. It's not like the analytic of it. I know he's getting more possessions, but he literally has to shoot those shots and make them consistently. Like, you know, that's asking a lot of a human being to go do it. And, you know, that's why you've only seen it rarely with, you know, just the, you know, the, the Hall of Fame type guys in, over the generation. So, yeah, yeah, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I had to ask, it's specifically, we both came up in Southern California and during Kobe's rise and reign. So, you know, I had to ask about that because I'm here, I'm always going to be here for scoring guards, you know, whether, yeah, you know, sure. whether they're traditional point guards, you know, scoring or, you know, give me a, you know, give me a two or a three. Just love it. All right. So speaking of one of those, one of those scoring guards, let's go to Nuggets and Clippers because we got Jamal Murray coming off an incredible series. But yeah, I think as, as I mentioned earlier, he trailed off at the end of last series. He you know didn't look great in game one against, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, here against the, the Clippers. 
I, look, this feels like one of those you know, you know situations where we've got a matchup against a you know arrested Clippers squad that it feels like a perfect recipe for hey yo last series was kind of cute and all but don't take this ass whooping personal to me you know like yeah. am I crazy or 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 or, or do you see a, a scenario where Jamal Murray can get it going again and we can get Game Seven Jokic you know for you know, for, throughout the course of an entire series. I uh, do not. As long as Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George and that crew, Lou Williams, that 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 monstrous squad that they roll out mm-hmm. is, is healthy and good to go. But, you know, no, I mean I don't even want to pretend to sugarcoat or whatever. I think you know, respect to this Nugget squad and what they've been able to do, and obviously winning winning that first round series. But these Clippers look locked and loaded. Kawhi, you know, Kawhi is Kawhi. Kawhi, you know, it's always the Kawhi what you got to be worried about. And I think he took that Luca slander and all that stuff going on personally, mm-hmm. which you know Luca's Luca, but you're getting bodied by a 21 year old. That's you know that's gonna sting a little yeah, bit. I don't happen. care. Not if you're I don't care who you are. <laughs> so you know, but now it's like Kawhi's like okay, mm-hmm. then now, now I got I got something for y'all. Y'all y'all, y'all are questioning me. And I was you know obviously I got a slander because I have to slander. That's my particular chosen profession on the internet. But <laughs> always with the measure of like yeah, you know he's gonna be back and like he's gonna he's gonna get it. So. I think with the, with that squad now, and they're kind of locked and loaded in, and I feel like they're the most built, you know, to win out the bubble in terms of just, you know, got a, got a young, youthful squad, you know, guys in their prime, not really rocking with the, you know, the LeBrons and the ADs of the world. And I know AD is still young, but he's he's been he's been injured, you know, a lot throughout his career. So just seeing seeing that squad and what they got going on, man, it's a definitely reason for concern for the entire NBA. Yeah, no, it is. It's scary times. And as much as I've wanted to poo-poo it along the way and, you know, get you know, get my jokes in and all of that, man, the Clippers look good, man. And when they're, and when all three of those guys are there, when Pat Beverly's in that lineup, it, it's just damn tough to go against them. It, it just is. All right, so from Denver's side of things, Josh and I have discussed them many times over, the, you know, over both shows, you know, kind of, we've sort of gone back and forth on whether they should be believed in, or at least I have, uh, you know, as currently constituted. Uh, I appreciate depth as much as others, but are you a believer? in and uh you know as as is commonly said a bunch of low spades approach or you know would you make some moves and kind of like consolidate things if you were moving forward if you were denver i mean look i think denver that 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 nucleus they got there you know mpj he's got to get his footing but he you know he's shown flashes and i just i mean that squad is very scary you know for the future that squad bobo i mean you know you're looking at i I love bobo he's one of my my favorite human beings ever just Mm -hmm. just to see a dude that tall with the handle and the jump, and I just love dudes that you know. Growing up in my day, like trying to you know get out of get out on the wing or top of the key or whatever, uh-huh. and dribble. You get, I mean, you know, you were getting cussed out to the point where it left literally like a PTSD, like mental stigma <laughs> in my brain. Even think when I see these guys do, when I see Bull Bull shoot a three, I'm always like, oh. J- but then I'm like, wait, no, new game. You hear, big man, big man, get on down. How yeah. many times did you hear that? And this is this is stuff that really it, it torments you because you you know you want to have elaborate you know you work on stuff in the summertime and all that stuff and then you get to the season it's like yeah, I ain't gonna be able to use none of that like <laughs> but that's why like this whole summertime like my game in the summertime pickup games at UCLA versus you know during the season was you know two different things because you know I actually listened to the coaches during the season as opposed to like I feel I feel like a lot of these guys just stop listening start doing what they do and then eventually the coach is gonna have to come around to get on board with it mm-hmm. but I think that squad is really poised to make noise. And, yeah, you I mean, you always want to see kind of moves made and, and what can happen. But in between, you know, Jamal Murray, MPJ, just, you know, what they've got moving and shaking over there, like, they're, they're, they're going to look good for the future. Yeah, no, no I, I agree. I do think they, they they may need to consolidate a little bit of that. Uh, but, you know, some of those young guys in particular, like, it, well, I'll just – I'll go ahead and put it out there. I like Jokic a great deal. I bought the hype. I, I, I jumped on the hype train, you know, just like everybody else. But – 
if moving forward, I had to pick between Jamal Murray and those other guys, you know, and with those other guys and Jokic with those other guys, I probably would would, would lean Jamal. All right. Real. Yep. Real talk. I mean, I, you know, I think this game is structured and designed now for these guards, for these smaller guys, unless you're a big, and I know Jokic's got some stuff in his bag, but he's not, you know, he's not like a KD type of bigger, kind of mm-hmm. in that, that body type. He's still more kind of traditionalist in how he operates, but. Yeah, I don't know. I bet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, man. It's wild because just figuring out the right, the right appropriate pieces to get stuff going. Every team is different. I think a lot of people point to one style or another style as being effective, but you got to really look at the players you have to be able to execute it. No, you're exactly right. And and one thing I can appreciate, there is more than one way to do it. It doesn't have to just be the get you two stars, surround them with you know whatever. Even though obviously the team the team that we're about to discuss, that's that's exactly what they've done. Let's go ahead and do it. I've saved the best one for last, or at least the one that I'm the most passionate about. Let's get into Lakers and Rockets. Uh, the Rockets lead the series 1-0 after that uh, 112-97 win on Friday night. Harden was solid, you know, with 36 and five. But I got to be honest with you, if I think if you're the Lakers, you'll take that, especially if he's not also grabbing double-digit boards, you know, uh, throwing out double-digit assists and really impacting the games in ways that we've seen him do before. If you hold him to just, you know, like, you know just around that, and I, that's really a testament to how great James Harden is. If you hold him to just 36, I think you'll live with that. That that actually wasn't the issue for me. The story of the game for me was the fact that the Lakers somehow once again came out flat, just like they did against the Blazers in that first game. You look at the numbers. 25 14 3 and 3 from AD LeBron you know gave you 20 you know 8 and 7 but we both know the difference between playoff LeBron and his standard level of excellence and again that's a testament to him but the expectation is there for the Lakers to win this series in my estimation they're absolutely going to need both of those guys to be at their best locked in and aggressive from the start what do you see from coming from this matchup because I'm definitely interested in seeing if I'm the only one that's a little bit a little bit nervous I, th- I mean, yeah, I think we want to try and compare it to the Blazers game, but uh, this ain't the Blazers, and that's kind of what I'm thinking watching. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, if, you, if you're going to do – again, I think you can find some optimism in the fact I think LeBron went down in fourth quarter, and, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't look like LeBron. It'd be one thing if, it, you know, LeBron had dropped a 35-point effort too, and you got a similar score and result. But I think you're seeing a Rocket squad that just isn't afraid, and I think it's, it's come to the point where, look, AD got to run the five. Like, yep. every every – Every different series is going to be different, and you can't you can't rely on what you did against the Blazers to get you over the Rockets. And I think if LeBron LeBron's a smart guy, so I know LeBron sees bigger picture, and he's always playing chess. So I don't know if he, he's doing these things to, to show AD to get him to come on board. It's like, look, we can do we can do it the way you want to do it. This was going to happen, mm-hmm. or because it just you know, and, and I know Kobe. And it's funny, like Kobe would have those facilitator type games. I know LeBron's a facilitator by nature, so it's not comparable, but. He would have these moments to be like, "Look, oh, y'all think y'all can do it? All right, we'll hear. If not, like that's not working. We got to do it my way. Like, and everybody's way is different. So I think LeBron, you know, it likes to play these kind of mind games, whatever it may be, to just kind of see what's going on. But I think you know his fourth quarter inexcusable. Just the team looked like they just didn't care. Like I made the joke that I thought they looked like they were at the pool all day yeah. and kind of you know trying to play the AAU style. You know, you knew in AAU mm-hmm. whenever you saw the team in the pool, you were playing them that night. You're about to give them work because they were going to be tired. Legs gone. Just done looking like, uh, what time is it? You're midway through the third quarter. Yeah, exactly. Look, 
I think they can make the adjustments. I mean, you know, because I, I I did feel like a lot of the you know a lot of the issues last night were self inflicted. That's not to take anything away from you know from the Rockets because they played a hell of a game. That you know the, the Rockets you know ratcheted it up on defense. Uh, PJ Tucker, if I'm not mistaken, I saw a stat that said that uh, in the 26 possessions that Anthony Davis went against him, he didn't score a bucket. One thing I would like to see one you know beyond Anthony you know you know switching and 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 playing more of the five even you know, you know, from the start of the game. One thing I would like to see them do is. Uh, mix up his action like just giving him straight post-ups against pj tucker is not smart i recognize he's taller but pj at six foot five and 250 pounds with a wingspan of you know seven foot he can you know, he, he can make life difficult for anybody <laughs> under there we saw him do it against lebron last night we obviously yeah. saw him do it against ad I would like to see them get you know get AD in motion, get it you know get him off some rolls, get him off off the curl, or you'll get you'll get it you play the two man game with him. But just doing the, you know just doing the straight up traditional uh, we're gonna post him up because he's got a size advantage thing. I don't think that's necessarily going to work. I think in LeBron's case as well because you look at LeBron and, and you know this is the first time I've really seen LeBron do the big body thing and really not get the you know back in the day when he tried to big body and he go ahead of steam to the hoop. He was literally, you know, dudes were flying five, six feet, you know, you know, out the way. Now these dudes are taking that contact, and he's not elevating, getting to the level he used to. Obviously, that that happens when you play nearly sixty thousand minutes of professional basketball. But yeah, I think you know they've got to figure it out. PJ Tucker to me is an anomaly because you've got, like, I, I used to play against like Nate Robinson in college, but this was a dude that you know what five seven, five eight, whatever it may be, but he plays so much bigger than what he is. Like, yeah, like if I had to just back him down the post, of course that that'd be no issue, but. He's flying around, high jumping, athletic, and just does things that'll annoy you. As a, you know, where it's not just like you know, if it's like, hey, I can go against somebody who's six seven like me, or I go go against him. I want the six seven guy just because I'm able to operate better against a dude like that because I know what he can do and what he's capable of. But mm-hmm. I think you know, the small ball, whatever it may be, you've got to figure it out. And the Lakers, I think, as a Laker fan, I'm not quite as stressed. This squad obviously didn't bring it. They didn't look great at at any point in the game, and you kind of saw these like four two point leads but never really getting over the hump every time it looked like they were about to, you know, kind of make a run and, like, just put this thing away. You know, obviously the Rockets would just hit. And you had some some, some terrible defensive breakdowns, some stuff that was really, like, you know, I can recall LeBron Brown on a couple plays, Danny Green on a couple plays, just, like, you know, easy buckets that you shouldn't give away as a, as a professional basketball player. But I think they'll use this as motivation. I feel like LeBron likes to play these mind games, show these guys, like, look, you know, if we don't bring it, we're capable of taking an L. I'd hope that to be, you know, if they advance the next round, this would be the last time that they do that because the Clippers, you know, you're not really going to be able to trigger off a game against them and expect to win the series. But I'm still Lakers in six. Ooh, not even in seven. You, you, you bringing them back in six. Okay, I'm not yeah, mad. I was going to say Lakers in five, but that, I don't just think that's realistic. <laughs> oh, you're trying to get extra disrespectful. All right, let, let's actually look at the other side of this because obviously things would be scarier for the Lakers if they were you know, to drop that second game on Sunday if they were actually headed back to Houston to play. Uh, but as we've kind of discussed, the bubble obviously makes those changes or kind of changes those types of dynamics you know, or concerns. But let's play out the doomsday scenario. Let's do it. Say things simply don't come together for them. What does the summer look like with 80s free agency and the roster moving forward, in your opinion? Uh, if, if there's anything that the, the year of our Lord 2020 has showed us is that <laughs> anything is possible. It does not care about any of our feelings. I could literally see anything crack. I mean, I'm just, you know what I mean? You can, I can see AD go to the Warriors. I could, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, it, it's, it's... Anything. It's, it's whatever. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, it's business. And if I'm a hooper, like, yeah, I like playing with LeBron, but I'm also like, damn, LeBron's going to be year 18. Like, 
Yeah. I can go play with these dudes. I mean, you know, th- mm-hmm. those are things you have to make. And I, I would definitely, look, to me, I think L.A. is the best city that you could possibly want to play in for, for that, that perfect mix of, of life and work, just how cracky it is, turned up, the great weather. Come December when it's 85, 90 degrees, you know, it's 110 at the crib today. Like I'm saying, you know, you get those <laughs> those heat waves. Like, and you appreciate, you you know, you appreciate that. Because oh, yeah. you know it doesn't, it doesn't really mess with your psyche in December, January, having to shovel snow off your car or be cold, which is one of the, my least favorite feelings mm-hmm. ever. You know, I, I, I would much rather be warm than cold. But uh, you yeah, making I don't me know, miss man. home, man. You making me, <laughs> you making me miss home. I got I got to make a trip on out there this at least this winter. But AD LeBron, you know, I just there's there's no telling. I think the Lakers are the Lakers. They've shown now that they're they're competitive again. I'd love to see Lonzo come back. At some point, mm-hmm. if they can get that worked out, because I think you know he's kind of uh, people knock Lonzo, but I, I, w- I will never not be a, a Lonzo fan, man. The way he plays the game and his vision, and he kind of gives me shades of J. Kid. Obviously, he needs to get that jumper a little bit better, but let's not act like J. Kid's jumper was just wet. No, uh, it, you know, like J. Kid wound up making a, a ton of threes, but you know, <laughs> it, it, it was it was here and there, and especially at the beginning, it, it was you know, there's a reason why they called him Asin. Look, the one thing I'll say about Lonzo is this: people, you know, people can say you'll have whatever opinion they have on him. If you put him in a good situation, on you know that 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 is a a plus player that can help your squad. I you know I, I don't care whether he's ever going to be a superstar or you know this that or the other or live up to the hype or any of those things. That's you know Lonzo can be a good player for your team. So. I, I, like you, I would be of the same opinion. All right, so one of the things that we can probably acknowledge is that they'll likely be looking for another viable offensive weapon to be that third option next year. I'll let Twitter do its thing when it comes to photoshopping every single player into a Lakers jersey, uh, but give me your wildest prediction for how things go, you know, whether they win or ultimately fall along the way. Let, let, give me your wildest third option for next year. For the Lakers? For the Lakers in particular. Ooh, 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 ooh. See, but this is the thing, because you, you got me on the spot, and I know I got, like, the cap expert squares out there. They'll be like, oh, that's oh, not, okay. that's not. Hold on, hold on. No, 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 I'm with you. I'm, I'm about to give you something. I just got to really think, it, think about cap it. Cap experts, chill out. We're, yeah, we're going to exactly. suspend reality right here. The, the perfect world scenario, the, the guy that you would say. Like, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't, you know, honestly, I feel like a Bradley Beal or somebody like that would be a great move. It's really just kind of based on who's going to be disgruntled. There's a lot of young guys. You know, Zach Levine, Zach Levine. Kind of yep. is now in the mix, and I think that would be a guy that would work great. I think th- what this squad needs, and it's sad to say, but when you come out with that big three, you need that big three. And, look, you're, you're Kuzma, you'd like to hope a year or whatever, four or five months from now to develop will help you try and fill that role, but – you need you need you need a name that's going to make a splash just to be able to compete with what's going on. So I don't know. I mean, look, I could even see. Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say something <laughs> like CP3, but I think that's just that just would be obscene and absurd in no way possible. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Like a Bill, I mean, I think a young guy like that. I wouldn't even want to say like a deep book because I just don't think they would make a move like that in the same you know division. But. Yeah, it it's, it would be hard to get D book, you know, without giving up the farm. Which, let's be real, you know, they don't necessarily have a farm to give up anymore. So, yeah, people don't like people don't like blessing the Lakers like they used to for some reason. Hey, for real, I, I guess they got, tired, they got tired of us always saying you gonna believe me or your lying eyes. That's what it really was. <laughs> like like we didn't give up Zubak for for the, the Lola. You know what I mean? Like we don't we don't we they don't owe like somebody don't owe us one for, for Muscala. Okay, yeah, we go go. I, I can't go there. I can't go there again. Can't go. <laughs> Josiah, it's truly been a pleasure having you here today. Before we get you out of here, um, can we, let's circle back and talk about those projects once again. Be uh, beyond Yahoo's Dunk Bake. Uh, so Dunk Bake got the the show Colin in Black and White coming out on Netflix. 
You know, I'm always just doing stuff, moving and shaking, just trying to show the young kids that anything's possible. You can make memes and make fire content for the internet, for TV, for whatever, man. Appreciate you for having me on. You are the absolute man. Once again, I truly appreciate it. Thank you for your time. All right. Take care. Again, can't say enough about how much we appreciate Josiah for his time. Uh, once again, that's at King Josiah fifty four on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow him and check out all of those dope products that he uh, mentioned while on here. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap things uh, wrap things up for this show with a new feature, the one that I mentioned earlier. It's going to be five dope minutes. It's gonna be a segment that I've been working on. It's it, I'll be specifically working it into my guest heavy episodes, uh, and it's basically gonna be a rapid fire style question situation uh, on any of the trendy topics that catch my eye uh, with a special guest each time. Um, this time for, for today's trends, it's only appropriate. We're gonna be bucks related, and uh, to kick things off, we got my guy, Super Producer Varun. He's gonna be stepping into the booth. Varun, thanks for joining. Hey, Jabari, nice to be here. Not, oh, no, appreciate having you. Appreciate having you, especially since you're giving up your time on a Saturday night <laughs> at that. Um, <laughs> but let's go ahead and kick it off right in the thick of things. Can you first? Can you tell me why Coach Bud shouldn't be fired? Give me your best exit interview case for him uh, to be retained for another run. The best and only case for him is that he vows to make changes next year. He vows that the regular season will not just be about margins of victory and racking up W's, but it will be about experimenting and trying out new things so that when the playoffs come, he's able to make adjustments. The problem is, throughout all the evidence we have suggests that he's unable to do that. All the evidence shows back to his Atlanta days that he's not able to make the adjustments you need to make to win in the playoffs. Here's a really simple one. Play Giannis and Tenacumpo more. It's not that hard, but he is woefully inept isn't the word, but he's just unaware of the solution that's right in front of his face. Okay, so I, it basically it sounds like you can't really make a case, so let's go. Let's go ahead and take it to the flip side. Who's the person that is most likely to be hired? It, 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 like, let's say, I, you know, earlier I did this with Josiah. I asked him to put on his GM hat or his GM you know, suit. Let me get you to put your GM suit on. You're, you, you are tasked with keeping Giannis happy and making sure that we at least are strong enough for a serious run next year, we being the Bucks. Who are you hiring? So one of the coaches that's going to hit the market is Mike D'Antoni. And the problem with D'Antoni is I think you're going to run into some of the same problems that you have with Bud in that he's going to be stuck to a system and not adjust as much. There were rumors that Popovich might leave the Spurs for the Nets before the Nash hire. I'd like to see them completely out of the box and maybe hire a new guy. The problem is you don't have a lot of time left with Giannis and you have to maximize that time. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that worries me the most, man. Like, to be honest with you, that's 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 particularly why I think I could I could see them making a rash decision. I know Bucks fans are probably sitting out there saying like, "What the hell?" You know, number one, you know, you know Josiah mentioned it earlier. Number one in the you know, number one in the conference two years in a row, and you're just going to go ahead and you know, kick him out of here after just that. So okay. Let's just say I could see a path. Like, say for instance, they go to Giannis, and and you know th- this is the you know this is the thing that you know people don't want to acknowledge. They're going to go to Giannis even if, if they ever haven't already, and said like, hey, what do you think about you know Bud moving forward? But say they go to Giannis, and he says, hey, I you know I want to keep things as they are in ter- at least on the coaching you know from a coaching perspective. Let me ask you this, GM: What do you want Giannis specifically working on in the lab this summer? 
he doesn't really need the three-point shot, which is what we kind of cling to as NBA Twitter, but I think what he needs, and it's a point that many people have pointed out, he needs that mid-range shot. He needs just a little bit more space to make defenders worry about backing up off him, and he needs just about like a 16-17 foot. I'd also like to see him get better with his post moves, right? The post game isn't as efficient as it was before, but I would like to see late in the shot clock him use those possessions as a vehicle to contested tight offense, especially in the playoffs. What about the rest of the roster? Okay, we're in 2021, 2022, or whatever the case may be. Giannis has re-upped. What does the rest of the roster need to look like? Bledsoe's gone. I I think you have to trade him. You need... I think you probably need one more... you, You need a really good... Uh, like tertiary guy to create shots because Middleton's fine and Giannis is obviously Giannis. The thing is, you need another guy who's really good off and on the ball. I, I maybe like you. You would love to have a guy like Lou Will on that team, right? Obviously, there's defensive limit, limitations with Lou Williams, but you'd love to have that kind of shot making and just creativity and uh, obviously shooting as well. I think Draymond said it best on the NBA TNT show. The Bucks have guys who can take shots. They don't have shooters that other teams respect. And unless you have that, you don't have the space that you need to put around Giannis. What about the idea of, of bringing in the like an ultimate playmaker type or a floor general type that could actually activate you know some of those guys and make life easier for Giannis in you know, in a different way? Obviously, having a having a score to kind of counterbalance things and, to, and and lighten the load would be nice. But what about you know what about the idea of like say a Chris Paul or someone along those lines you know you're really really swinging for the fences. Listen, if you want to get a guy like that, that, that's another great option. But the thing that has to be important is he has to be able to shoot the ball well. George Hill is a good shooter, but he's not as good of an initiator. So you need someone who can actually penetrate the defense and get opportunities for Giannis, make it just a little bit easier for him when teams try to build a wall. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I, I'm trying to be as optimistic as possible for Milwaukee and for their fans in particular, and for and for Giannis because he's you know he seems like a very seems like a great guy. I've inter- you know, I, I've had the opportunity to interact with him in person, but obviously, just as a fan of the game, it's you know it, it there's pretty much nothing that I can complain about you know for him. So I'm trying to stay positive, but I, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I think at the end of the road. You know, if we're here a year from now having this conversation, we're talking about, damn, you know, it was a good run in Milwaukee. I hope I'm wrong. I absolutely hope I'm wrong. But from your lip, you know, from your lips to Milwaukee-based basketball gods' ears, uh, Varun, thank you again for joining for this quick segment. I definitely appreciate it. Let's hope that works out. Like, you know, like I said once again for that fan base. Um, you know, I think that's going to do it here for you know. So for the listeners out there, as always, we definitely appreciate you tuning in again for uh, for this particular episode. Josh will be back again for Monday's episode. It may be up a little bit later. It, it may wind up going up Tuesday, but either way, Josh will be back for that, and we'll be di- digging deeper into the second round action. Remember, like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at Ben Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE. To receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag promo code blue wire. Ben online, 
your online sportsbook experts.